Hey friends, I know how busy this time of the year is. And as much as I love home-cooked meals, sometimes there is just not enough time. But I have good news for you. Factor offers delicious, ready-to-eat meals, which can make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with your pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. There are two-minute meals, so you can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They have snacks and smoothies and more. There's a wide variety of options and 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that will help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So head over to factormeals.com forward slash swanson50 and use code swanson50 to get, you guessed it, 50% off. That's code Swanson50 over at factormeals.com forward slash Swanson50, and you're going to get 50% off. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Yay for that. I'll be linking over in show notes as well, but go check it out and tell me how you enjoy your Factor meals. Aloha and welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast with my mom, Monica Swanson. On the Boy Mom Podcast, it is our goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcasts. We're so glad you're here. Children in general, and boys in particular, are intrinsically interested in dangerous animals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, no, if you get something that is weird, ugly, dangerous, creepy, they're like all over it. Yeah. So, you know, find something that's intrinsically motivating. That isn't always possible. Sometimes you have to learn things that aren't. Um, boys are second, or children, all of them are. Secondly, interested in things that people who they love or respect are interested. So if you have a parent or an older sibling or a really good friend Mm -hmm. who's interested in learning about something, you hang out with them. Pretty soon Mm -hmm. you become interested. Totally. You're listening to Andrew Poudwa, the creator and director of IEW, the Institute for Excellence in Writing. And as you'll see, this interview was incredibly affirming for me in my boy raising and homeschooling journey. Whether you're a homeschool family or not, I am positive that this interview will offer you new insights and a greater appreciation and understanding of your son or sons. And I think you're just going to be really refreshed listening to Andrew. Now, all of my boys have used the IEW writing curriculum for over 10 years, and Andrew Poudwa is a bit of a legend in our home. He's smart, eloquent, quirky, and truly a gifted teacher. Having him on the podcast is truly an honor for me. So in this interview, we're going to learn a little more about Andrew's background and how IEW came to be, but what I'm really excited about is the chance to share some nuggets from a teaching I heard years ago that really changed my approach to schooling my boys. Andrew talks about fascinating differences in how boys and girls learn, which points to some of the challenges in typical schools today. He also shares some tricks for motivating boys to read and so much more. You guys are in for such a treat. I think you're going to love this episode. Coincidentally, IEW is this week's podcast sponsor, and you will find links to the curriculums my family has used, all of our favorites, as well as the teaching that Andrew and I talk about today over at a special page on the IEW website. So look for IEW ew.com forward slash Monica Swanson. Okay, now I want to take a quick moment to say a big happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. If you're a dad listening, know that you are so special. We love you. We appreciate you. Moms, be sure to hug those dads for us and make sure your boys do something special for dad this year. My boys and I were intending to do a special Father's Day episode, but the way the schedule worked out, it just didn't happen. And I don't know about you guys, but even though this year feels like it's lasted forever, things still sneak up on me. I'm just not great at catching these holidays in advance. So big shout out big hugs, air hugs, whatever we're given these days to all the dads out there. Now, I also want to thank you again for the ratings and reviews over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. They are helping people all over the world find this podcast and they encourage me so much. And if you haven't left one yet, this is a great time to pause, scroll down on your phone, hit those five stars or say a few words about what you love most about the Boy Mom Podcast. And thank you for that. Now, 
do be sure to tune into the very end of this episode because today is the kickoff of a fun post-episode bonus, which is going to include a summer giveaway, and I don't want you to miss it. So you'll have to tune in, hear what we're talking about over at the end of this episode. So I'll see you over there. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy this chat with Andrew Poudwa. Hey, Andrew, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. It's good to be with you, Monica. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to share you with anyone out there that is not familiar with you. Now, in my family, your name is like, it comes up all the time for various reasons. But we have um, heard your voice, watched you teach, done your curriculum, Institute for Excellence in Writing, IEW, for many years. So before I dive in and kind of share why I'm excited to have you on, do you mind just giving us all a little bit about you, your family, and what you do? Sure, yes. Well, I am the director of the Institute for Excellence in Writing. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I have uh, seven grown children, uh, 14 grandchildren, uh, four of which live nearby in Oklahoma. Mm. So, blessing. And then I have others in Pennsylvania and Michigan. Uh, I have been full time uh, running around the world teaching writing seminars to parents and teachers and homeschool kids and publishing mostly video courses and then uh, a re, uh, related uh, language arts curriculum mm -hmm. for 20 years. So I uh, just um, had our 25th anniversary of IEW Yay. and then 60th birthday. So mm, wow, feeling like we're turning the corner here into <laughs> a solid new phase of life, which is really very good. And uh. of course, has been a fascinating uh, time when uh, a lot of parents are finding their kids at home all day every day mm -hmm. and needing to supervise their education uh, to some degree so the conversations in the last couple months have been truly fascinating yes i bet i i can imagine you're hearing from a whole lot more people and different people than you would typically i i don't think i've heard the story of how IEW got started. I'm curious. Do you mind sharing with us kind of how you ended up doing this thing that you do? <laughs> well, um, people ask me, I give the honest answer is um, it was another desperate effort to make more money. Um, <laughs> I was in the early 90s uh, eking out a, a, a very, very modest, usually negative cash flow career as a violin teacher. Oh, uh, teaching music is a wonderful thing to do, but it's hard to keep your wife home and, um, uh -huh. you know, pay the mortgage and keep your nostrils above water. So I always had little side business ideas going on all the time, some mm -hmm. of which worked better than others. But um, I had been to a course in Canada called the Blended Sunsight Program of Learning uh, mm. in 1990, where I learned this writing system of structure and style from uh, Dr. James Webster. And I had kind of taught it and tutored kids after school and taught my own kids. And uh, I got this idea in 94 to um, do a seminar and teach mm. this writing system to, you know, anyone who would pay. And so I created a flyer and I designed a little workbook and I um, mailed 400 stamped out flyers to wow. uh, in wow. Seattle. I was living okay. in Idaho at the time. And uh, said, would you please send these to your members? This was like pre-internet days. Yes, I was going to say, sending flyers. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and people had to mail checks to sign up for the thing. And I got oh. 20 people to pay $40 to listen to me oh. talk one day. And I thought, well, that's more than you make a whole week teaching violin. <laughs> this has some it. potential. So I continued doing you know one or two of these uh one day seminars each month uh squished in between uh teaching music i mean i had 52 violin students and 10 kinder music classes so i was like full on yeah. uh, but uh, then it was going pretty well and i um reduced my music teaching load uh in uh, 96 97 traveled a little more got an invitation to a couple homeschool conventions um, produced a really bad set of videos, which I hated to sell people because <laughs> they were so awful. And uh, in 99, lots of things happened. Uh, we moved from Idaho to California. I was making enough money 
in this uh, writing seminar video selling business to stop teaching music and go full time. Mm. And uh, then I got an opportunity to work with a homeschool organization um, in Illinois, a fairly large one, and they had mm. the resources to produce a much better uh, mm. set of videos. There you go. The ones that you had experience with uh, <laughs> years ago. Uh-huh. And, uh, so it was uh, good. I got my first employee uh, in 2001. And mm. it's just gone on from there. And in uh, 2010, we moved from California to Oklahoma and mm -hmm. have expanded very significantly since then. I think we're at 43 employees now. And wow. I've been to a dozen different countries. We've mm. products to 61 different countries. If Wow. Well, for those who aren't familiar, um, do you mind just kind of explaining the idea behind IEW and what, what it looks like, what this writing course is all about so that people know? Because I've mentioned over time, both on my blog and on the podcast, that my, we're big fans of IEW and my boys have all learned from the Institute for Excellence in Writing and that my college sons would say one of the keys they believe in there getting a scholarship and getting into college was their ability to write, which they will give credit to IEW for. So tell us what makes it different. What's your approach? What What's the magic here? Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Um, and, and we do have particularly great success um, with reluctant writer boys. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are some reasons for that we can go into, but the, the big picture overview is um, we teach a system for teaching English composition using structural mm -hmm. models and stylistic techniques. So it's based on uh, imitation mm -hmm. as starting point and building a foundation of skills that then lead into good um, innovation and creativity. Mm -hmm. uh, what you often hear from uh, kids who don't like writing is, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what to write. I can't think of anything. And you're mystified because here's a child that can talk your ear off <laughs> exactly on and on forever. And when you say, well, just write it down, you know, they stare at that uh -huh. blank paper and pretty soon the tears are dripping uh -huh. on the paper. Yeah. And so um, what what I've come to understand is that writing is extremely complex. You know, if you look at the process beginning to end, first, you have to have an idea. That idea has to pre-exist. Now, it may pre-exist outside your own mind, i.e. it could be a, a story or, or a fable that you heard or something that you read or or got, you know, outside your own mem memory and imagination. Or it can pre-exist inside you and it can mm -hmm. be from your own memory or imagination. But it has to pre-exist. What I've found is that it's easier for children to find stuff that's actually right in front of them, but outside their memory, mm -hmm. because they can see it, it's objective, it's concrete. The second thing is that idea has to be translated into words. Uh, now, the idea may pre-exist in words, for example, an Aesop fable, uh -huh. or it pre-exist as images or feelings, mm -hmm. such as, you know, how you felt when you climbed a diamond head or, you know, mm -hmm. something. Um, mm -hmm. It, it's actually harder to get an idea that it's easier to get an idea that pre-exists in words back mm -hmm. into words than right. to translate a feeling or an impression or an image. Uh, this is one reason why, you know, a kind of the stereotypical assignment right about your summer vacation can be very, very difficult because yeah. you extract that stuff from your experience and and memory. And, and you have to speak it into existence. That's the yes. next step. So the idea pre-exists, you speak it into existence. Then you have to hear what you said to yourself. Right. And, and some children, you know, they can talk, but they don't hear what they say. Yeah, yeah. That's why listening is a fundamental uh, language art. One of the mm. fundamental arts of language, you know, listening, speaking, reading, writing. So you speak it into existence, hear what you heard yourself say to yourself. Then you have to remember what you heard yeah. yourself say to yourself while you remember also how to spell letters and make spell words and make letters and follow mechanics and all that. So right. most get 
overwhelmed with the complexity of writing. And our system at its very core, what I would say is it's about separating the complexity into smaller, manageable, much more doable steps so that the product can happen at the end. Mm, awesome. I love that. My, my nine-year-old has been doing the fables, myths, and fairy tales writing lessons. And I'm, I'm seeing that exact pattern play out where when I've asked him to write other things, he just sits, he will cry. I mean, he hates the idea of having to create something out of nothing. But when he has a uh, fable in front of him, being able to then break it down into the steps that you give us just makes it actually a lot of fun. I mean, there's a little resistance when you bring it up, but as soon as he's in it, he's all in. So I love how you do that. It's just truly magical. A, a good comparison, and because my background is as a music teacher, is think mm -hmm. about if you said to someone, sure, uh, you can learn to play the piano if you just sit down there and fool around for 20 minutes a day and kind of randomly, mm -hmm. you know, peck at the keys, what would you get? You know, yep. you could do it for years. What would you get? Whereas, mm. say, play this piece, play it this way, imitate me precisely and build a foundation of basic wow. skill. Yeah. And not only do you feel, you know, the success that comes from accomplishment, you then have a foundation on which the creative elements of interpretation or improvisation or composition uh, become possible. Yeah, um, I love that. It, it, it makes such a difference. And I think that boys can learn to love to write, even those that think that they hate it at the beginning. So really, really great analogy with, with the music, because I've seen the same thing play out in piano lessons where they start off frustrated, but as soon as they start practicing a song that's already there, they tend to then begin to explore creating their own music. So that is so cool. I just am so thankful for what you do and the chance to use it with my boys. I have heard a talk that you've given that was about uh, motivating boys to learn who would rather be building forts. I'm probably not saying the title perfectly, yeah. but do you, do you still have that available we could share with people in a link? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you can buy a DVD if you want to watch it. You can also uh, download the audio. Um, it's a talk I've done hundreds of times. It's probably one of the most popular. The title is um, teaching boys and other children who would rather be making forts all day. There we go. That's it. And, and I listened to that while I was traveling, and I actually went back to the beginning and listened to it, I think, at least three times through, because there was just so many good nuggets in there that I needed to hear as a mom. And so uh, I, I'll be sure to link to where people can find that. But let's go through just a few of the points that you share in there Uh Talk, talk to us about the concepts that you share in that talk. Sure, you know, to, to squash it down, uh, the first half or so of that talk is about some of the neurological, neurophysiological differences between boys and girls. Mm -hmm. um, boys do not hear as soft of sounds as girls for the most part. Right. There are exceptions, of course, but the majority of boys do not hear as soft of sounds as the majority of girls. And so when we're teaching boys, um, very often if we speak loud enough to engage them fully, the poor mm -hmm. girls next to them thinks, you know, you're yelling at her. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, that's where uh, Dr. Sachs, who wrote the book Why Gender Matters, that I referenced yes. extensively in that talk, that's yeah. where he started was all these little boys coming in with moms. You know, he's a pediatrician and the schools want him to prescribe ADD medication. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's thinking, you know, if they can't hear, of course, they'd have an attention deficit totally. problem. You know, we yeah. all would. Uh, so uh, that but then his research took him further. Um, boys and girls actually see differently. Um, mm. girls are, they have a, a physiological connection between the retina and the optic nerve that allows them to perceive color and texture with greater vibrancy or intensity, whereas mm. boys can to perceive direction and speed, i.e. movement, with greater vibrancy or intensity. So you watch little kids draw pictures. Little boys are very often drawing, you know, <laughs> bullets flying out of a gun. Exactly. across the sky, explosions, car crashes. Totally. And girls are drawing things, you know, trees, flowers, horses, yes. rainbows, horses, horses, a lot of horses. <laughs> 
And you are in Oklahoma. <laughs> the the problem, of course, is that you know the the colorful things look better on paper than the boys using all black trying to draw car crashes. Totally, um, totally. So boys can very quickly be misunderstood into thinking, well, they don't have that same artistic flair or that same uh, talent. Um, it comes out language-wise. You know, if you say to a boy, hey, this is a pretty good story you've got going here. Would you like me to help you add in a little more detail? He'll probably look at you and say, um, no, not really. I mean, isn't it good enough? Can I go play? Yeah. Uh, change one word. Hey, son, this is a pretty good story you've got going. Would you like me to help you add in a little more action? Oh. And immediately, he's like, well, I guess. <laughs> that sounds like cool. Sounds and fun. Then, you know, one, one thing I've noticed about our writing program is the very first style technique that goes on the checklist, as you know, is the L-Y adverb. Yep. Um, and, of course, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because the teachers in schools, mostly women, They'll say, now, children, the first thing you do to make your writing more colorful is you use adjectives. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've actually been challenged by school teachers. How come you start with adverb? Why don't you start with adjective? Adjective is grammatically mm -hmm. simpler. It's a foundation of an adverb, which in a way, you know, is true. You start with an adjective like quick and you add an adjective, you add an L-Y and you get an adverb quickly. But mm -hmm. see, boys in particular are motion-based in their thinking and perceiving of the world. So they relate to the amplification of action more readily. Oh, I uh, love that. So hey guys, I hope you're enjoying hearing from Andrew and he has a whole bunch more ahead, so keep listening. But first, I do want to stop and officially thank IAW for being this week's podcast sponsor and to tell you a little bit more about the curriculum itself. So IAW has been around for 25 years and they offer effective methods for teaching writing and encourages and inspires students and molds them into confident and competent communicators and thinkers. We like that. IAW offers language arts materials to students of all ages, K through 12. Now, if you want to see more for yourself here is something really cool happening this summer IEW is offering three weeks of free completely digital English language arts instruction to energize your students and perhaps change their opinion about writing we love that the free lessons include writing grammar vocabulary and poetry so whether you have a student who loves to write hates to write or a student who has some special learning needs you can find success with IEW so try these three weeks free over at IEW.com forward slash Monica Swanson guys I think you're gonna love IEW I hope you give it a try and now back to my conversation with Andrew and then there's all sorts of fascinating things about you know boys handle stress very differently they need to move they need to jump they need to run girls under stress their initial reaction is not to move or jump run shout pound their initial reaction is to curl up in a ball on the couch mm -hmm. with a blanket on their head mm -hmm. yeah um, and then of course pain you have probably noticed that boys do not seem to mind getting hurt and hurting each other to show their <laughs> affection and so they they do stuff like airsoft, which makes no sense to most girls. Why would you go do that and get bruises all over your body? I mean, that would hurt. It was like, yeah, it hurts. That's why we do it. You know? <laughs> I just laughed through all of this because I'm just like, I think it makes me just feel so affirmed and like, okay, my life is actually not that unusual. So I think the boy moms listening are going to need to get to listen to your talk because it's reminding me of how much I enjoyed it the first time. Well, thank you. Yeah, the second half of the talk is about motivation. Yes, uh, yes. Very powerful. Relevancy, the three laws of motivation and the two secret weapons. And mm -hmm. um, so, you know, one of the questions a lot of people will ask is, um, is it OK to, quote, bribe kids mm -hmm. into doing stuff? Mm -hmm. And I think we need to back up a little bit on that and, and look at the forms of relevancy, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, what motivates anyone to do anything? You know, learning and teaching is easier when you have, say, intrinsic motivation. Um, you know, boys are intrinsically attracted to tools and weapons for the most part. I mean, there are a mm -hmm. few who aren't. But, you know, you get a, a source text about, you know, trebuchets and catapults. Mm -hmm. uh, 
this is going to have more appeal because it's in that category of things that are intrinsically interesting. Um, children in general and boys in particular are intrinsically interested in dangerous animals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, if you get something that is weird, ugly, dangerous, creepy, they're like all over it. Yeah. So, you know, find something that's intrinsically motivating. That isn't always possible. Sometimes you have to learn things that aren't. Um, boys are second, or children, all of them are secondly interested in things that people who they love or respect are interested. So yes. if you have a parent or an older sibling or a really good friend mm -hmm. who's interested in learning about something, you hang out with them pretty mm -hmm. soon become interested totally well. yeah uh, i've seen that so that's the third one but some things you have to learn they're not interesting to anyone i mean mm -hmm. yeah let's all excited about the multiplication tables and you know right. memorizing the capital you, you know there's stuff you have to do and learn that is just not going to fall into those sure. first two categories so that's where yeah. we move to contrived relevancy mm -hmm. and that's create a game Boys love games. Uh -huh. Challenges. They're very competitive mm -hmm. and they're very economically minded. And and a lot of girls don't have that same desire uh, to compete or that same desire to earn points or, you know, pennies or whatever. But I think God puts into boys these two traits because that's part of, you know, navigating the world of being mm -hmm. a man. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's having an aptness, a willingness, even a desire for comp for competitive opportunity. And then economic systems. We, we don't escape that. So when people say, well, you know, it sounds like if you set up this system where he can get points by doing his schoolwork, well, that's bribery. Okay, just mm -hmm. back up steps there. Bribery is when you pay someone to do something illegal. That's yes, right. Okay. It's either let's, of that. Let's clarify, right. This is yes. creating a system that is like a game that communicates to the boy um, there's benefit in, for you personally in doing this thing. Now, mm -hmm. you could say, well, you should do it because it's good for you. But you mm -hmm. don't convince a 10-year-old boy that practicing his cursive writing or whatever is good for him. Yeah, it's not yeah. in his world. It is not good for him. No. It is taking him away from other way more important things like, you know, Legos or tree ports. Right. <laughs> so, so you just, you can't logically use that and expect it to work. You can, however, say, you know, for every hundred words that you copy correctly, um, you will gain, you know, a point, you know, a point. Right. And when you get 100 points, we're going to go do this super cool thing together, but you're going to have to work for it. And um, so that, you set up that kind of system. So I don't have any problem with that. I mean, I love my job. I love everything about it, especially when I get to fly in an airplane and go talk to a thousand people. Mm. But, you know, I also like the paycheck. <laughs> sure. I, I probably wouldn't do it quite the same way if totally. You know, that external acknowledgement yes. and yes. i don't i don't need the points to get what i want but what i do love is getting the you know the supply so that i can take care of my family yep. support causes you know fulfill my responsibilities and that's you know that's uh, your your a a appetites you know mm -hmm. change um, and yes and you're just teaching kids to learn that at their age, that's just a reality for the rest of their life. So, oh yeah, absolutely. So, uh, that's a little bit of the highlights. I'll leave the secret. I'll leave the three laws and the secret weapons off in interests of time. Um, <laughs> I have had people tell me that that particular talk. Um, I mean, they may be exaggerating a little bit, but that particular talk saved them mm. homeschool. For sure, saved for their sure. relationship, and they understood things about boys and girls that they. Mm had no idea so well I, I love it and I do hope that everyone can listen to that or watch it uh, one of the things that I think is super relevant especially because I do believe some people will continue to be doing school from home even if that wasn't their their ideal or their plan I know some schools will be back in session by next fall and some won't but 
the part where um, I believe you're drawing again from Dr. Sachs, but talking about uh, giving boys the opportunity to learn in different um, postures, we might say, boys who need to move more. I think that really freed me up when I heard, I felt like I was given permission because sometimes my youngest son just can't sit still. And yeah. I would read him a story and he would be listening, but perhaps doing somersaults or doing something with his hands. And I was not sure if that was okay or not. And so I'd love for you to just speak to that a little bit too. Yeah, I think sometimes we give kids, boys, very mixed messages such as sit down and do this hard math. Mm. Well, if it's hard math, it's stressful. Only sitting mm. down is also stressful. Mm. I mean, stress <laughs> for a, a boy to stay in one spot in a chair for any significant length of time. I mean, uh, that's, that's a, challenge equivalent to going to church and, and, <laughs> you know not getting you know in trouble you, right. it takes all your effort to yeah. hold your body still and not make noise how do you do math when you're using all of your effort to hold your body still and not make noise but what if you said you know stand at the counter right yeah. stand yeah. at the table and do your math uh, and and don't worry about the little clicking or tapping sounds or the humming or, you know, oh, boy, when boys discover they have to learn to whistle, they want to mm -hmm. practice all the time. My mm -hmm. seven-year-old grandson is going through this stage right now. He's like, Grandpa, listen to me whistle. And so, I, you know, he's always showing me his improved whistling technique. Mm -hmm. It's driving his poor mother crazy because he'll practice <laughs> 10 hours a day you know, on his whistling. Oh, I love it. Uh, so that fun. Idea of giving boys and, and some girls too but you know giving children the freedom to move more mm -hmm. um you know and this is one of the scary things about uh, you know the schools are talking about new rules uh, all the children will have to always be in their desk without permission the desk mm -hmm. have to be you know so many feet apart they're going mm -hmm. to not allow group you know sports games trauma or art where anybody would be too close to you. I mean, this is just to exacerbate mm -hmm. the horrible uh, environment that boys suffer. I mean, schools have become, unfortunately, very boy unfriendly places. Mm, yeah. um, and, you know, a lot of moms are just looking at that thing and my son needs more, yeah. he needs more freedom to just be who he is. Oh my goodness. I, I couldn't agree more. Just just yesterday, my 16-year-old Luke, who's one of your biggest fans, um, he was outside juggling a soccer ball. He's not even a soccer player, but he was juggling a soccer ball. And I said, Luke, you need to get in and do your schoolwork. And he had his headphones on and he said, mom, I'm listening to a lecture. I'm learning so much more right now while juggling <laughs> than I would be sitting. And I thought, well, I am interviewing Andrew Poudwa tomorrow. I guess I better. <laughs> So, you know, we yeah. have uh, in our office here um, quite a number of men, and most of them use a standing desk now. Yeah, I'm at uh, one right now. <laughs> do customer service. So, you know, that's that's a thing. That's but a thing. It, you know, it's so nice that he has the freedom to communicate that to you, and mm -hmm. and know that you will hear it and not mm -hmm. say no, no, no. You know, stop and right. come in. Right. And, well, I've uh, learned. It's taken me a few years. Um, I, I don't want to take too much of your time, but there's one thing I want to touch on, because though you teach writing, reading is the, I don't know what we call that, the, the cousin, the sister to writing. And, and reading is a topic that comes up a lot with my listeners, a lot with my friends, bo boys who are not motivated to read. And you've had a few th things to say about reading as well, motivating boys to read. Uh, and also my son asked if I would ask you I, right before I got on. I'm like, ooh, we forgot to get my kids questions for you. But he said he wants to know if you have a suggested place to send people to look for good books. So can you talk about motivating boys to read and where that you would recommend they find the best books? OK, sure. Um, the the first thing I would like everyone to keep in mind and it, this is a, a very politically incorrect thing to say, but I know awesome. you won't mind. Dr. Sachs says it as well. I knew it before I met him. He reiterated in my last conversation with him, and that is this. Most boys 
are a year to two behind most girls mm. when it comes to um, the skills of reading with eyes and decoding and making letters and writing. So mm. when we put all six-year-olds in one room together mm. and say all six-year-olds, both boys and girls, by merit of being six years old, all have to be in first grade mm. and they all have to learn to read and write, you're running a good chance that a significant percentage of those boys are simply not neurologically ready, and they are certainly not likely to be neurologically as ready as the girls. Hmm. And so it is far better to just let it go and hmm. wait until a boy shows reading readiness, even if that doesn't happen until they're seven or eight years old. Mm -hmm. Start the process too young and their you know, eyes and brain are just not ready for that, um, you'll have anxiety, they'll start mm -hmm. to hate the activity, and, mm -hmm. and you can actually create a lifelong hatred of reading by mm. forcing someone to do it too early. Wow, wow. So that's the first thing that's I huge. would say. And, and I'm not saying this out of opinion. There are no, there's I agree. research to show this. Um, and yeah. it, if anyone's interested, look, uh, Leonard Sachs, S-A-X, LeonardSachs.com. He's got a, a, a huge, huge bibliography of papers to support. Yep. Yes. That's a one. Second thing is, um, you know, it's it's okay for boys to read with their ears. Your son out mm. kicking the soccer ball listening to a lecture. Well, what's he doing? He's mm -hmm. reading his ears, mm -hmm. right? And keeping yep. his body busy and um, it's going in well. I, I, to this day, listen, I, I listen to audiobook every day, you know, mm, yeah. I'm cooking, I'm driving while I'm doing stuff. And I think many times I remember what I hear better than what mm -hmm. I read paper. Mm -hmm. Uh, so so that's it's OK to think about audiobooks and reading out loud to kids as yes. legitimate forms of reading. Yes. Um, or you want them to reach a point where they want to pick up a book. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I remember my son. Uh, I used two tricks. Um, one trick was this. I would find a book that I thought was particularly interesting I would read the first couple chapters out loud to him mm -hmm. to kind of draw him into the story. And then fortunately, I would uh, have excuse to just go on a trip and I would leave mm -hmm. the book mm -hmm. in his and say, well, uh, you know, you might not want to wait till I get back to read it. Mm -hmm. And of course, like, I want to know what's going to happen. I come home from the trip and he's, you know, three chapters, four chapters ahead. And I knew what I was doing. I and Sure. You know, the the other one I tried with him was, um, you know, the kids rotate jobs. And so everyone would get dishes for the week, which is the worst job, you know, clearing yeah, floor dishes. Right. Yes. And so everyone would have dishes and he would be I hate dishes. So I'd say, OK, let's make a deal. Tell you what, while you're doing the dishes, I'll read to you. Oh. Or if you prefer, I'll do the dishes for you and you can read to me. Oh, there we go. I love and that. He would always take the deal. And then <laughs> I would just, you know, take my time doing the dishes and um and he would read to me. And you know, he stumbled through. He was really dyslexic. He didn't really read anything till he was about eleven years old. Wow. Uh, but you know, he's twelve, thirteen, and he's reading to me and, and working on his verbal skills and overcoming mm -hmm. then, you know, he'd be like, I don't know what this word is. And I'd say, OK, spell it for me. And I, he, you know, and I'd tell him what the word is. And so it was just that that kind of constant creating opportunity. And and then uh, what really got him over the edge was his competitive nature. Um, mm -hmm. More than many boys I've met, he is extremely competitive. Awesome. And uh, so we got into speech and debate. And when you get into debate, it's all about competition. So what do you have to do? You have to write your case. You have to be able to cold read evidence. You have to be able to take notes and read your notes and have legible handwriting right. well enough to read your notes to stand up and give rebuttals. And that was a huge breakthrough for him in terms of realizing that, yeah, he can, if he wants to, pick up anything and read it. Yes, uh, it gave him purpose in the reading. Yeah. And then like your son, you know, he went off to the University of Oklahoma, pulled a 3.85 something mm. uh, GPA. Mm -hmm. There he, you go. 
he, you know, he even wrote papers for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's a, a personal trainer at a gym. Very competitive. Oh, wow. Very competitive uh, still. Uh, and he sucks so me fun. into going to the gym. So he's like, Dad, you know, once you hit 60, you start to lose muscle mass really fast. You got to do something <laughs> before it's too yeah. late. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Good for him. Keeping dad in shape. I love it. Well, that is super fun. I, um, I, I definitely have seen my boys develop a love for reading later than the my friends who have girls. I know some girls are just bookworms at a young age, but what I have seen is as my boys have discovered good books and have fallen in love with a good story, then they also develop a motivation to want to write more. And so my two older boys have both really loved writing. And my oldest son actually published his own little adventure novel about two brothers who lived on an island. And so that's on Amazon. He did that during his homeschooling high school years. But I think that the discovering the love of reading can lead to even more desire to write well. So those two go hand in hand. Um, I want to send you a link to um, an article my wife just sent me. It was actually kind of the opposite of Lord of the Flies. It was a group of boys who were stranded on an island for 15 months. And how they actually ended up starting their day with prayer and song. They were from a Catholic school and on a boat and they, everyone thought they were dead. Uh, And they managed to find wild uh, birds and get eggs and and take care of them. Okay, I want to read this. Is this a book or an article? I have the article. So I'll uh, I'll send you a link to it uh, as soon as I can. Good. uh, But it was kind of like the opposite of... Yeah, these are never capable of being civilized together. Um, This was, you know, they had a foundation and a a need and then they were rescued and uh, they kept in touch, of course, the rest of their life. This was many, many years ago. I love that story. I want to read that. And I think it should be a book and my boys would read it. Okay, so where can we send boys? What's what's your go to to find great books to read? Because I've heard you say before that a key to getting boys to want to read is just they need good books we can't force them to read bad books right so my boys have created a little list that I've shared before but is there any resource you would suggest I think you and I are both friends of and fans of Sarah McKenzie with the read aloud revival she has some good lists Um, I'll link to her in the show notes anything else you'd recommend Um, we have a free list it's not a long one but it's uh, actually called books for boys and other kids who would rather be making forts all day so well there we go very boy friendly list it's a free download perfect off our website uh, iew.com just hit on the files button and then it should show up Um, um, i don't know if you're familiar with adam andrews and the center for literary education Mm, Uh, no centerforlit.com okay uh, he's he has got more than just book lists. He's got whole little seminars on great, good and great books. And um, mm-hmm. he, he definitely understands boys very, very well. Awesome. So uh, I would refer people to uh, to Adam Enders. He has a course called Teaching the Classics, which um, we Ooh. actually publish for him. And uh, so that's how to, you know, how to engage kids in a meaningful conversation about what they've read. I love that. Well, now I just have to add my second son, who is finishing his gap year, hopefully will be joining his brother in at college next fall, assuming they're going to be um, actually having college next fall. But yeah. he is actually during his gap year, he's been taking one of your courses. I believe it's an essay course just because he wants to and he knows that we all want to hear your voice around the house. So he's been taking your <laughs> class. But he is my crazy book reader, and he has been a fan of Russian literature, Dostoevsky. And I know he would want to know if you're a fan. Have you read uh, the Brothers Karamazov, any of those? Yeah, Brothers Karamazov. um, See, I I, say it wrong. I knew. (laughs) People say it differently. Um, Tell him that I am actually more of a Tolstoy. Okay. uh, He's done both. Okay. And they, they are the same, like... Were they friends? Maybe I think they talk about each yeah, other. Yeah, they they knew each other. Um, when I go to some of these classical conferences, 
uh, if you're not careful, you can get sucked into an evening discussion on who's greater, <laughs> you know, Tolstoy or Dostoevsky. Well, that's something my son would love to be a part of. I think that's what he's hoping he's going to find at college is a bunch of people that sit around and talk about things like this. <laughs> uh, let me give your listeners one book that's an absolute certain winner. The book okay. is called Penrod, P-E-N-R-O-D. That's the name okay. of the boy. It's kind of like a baptized Tom Sawyer. This kid is Ooh. just hilarious. He gets in all sorts of trouble and adventures, but it's it's noble. And okay. uh, noble. It's, we like noble. Uh, Booth Tarkington, Tarkington. Okay. And right. uh, it's, uh, it is a great book. And there's some some sequels to it as well. Hugely awesome. popular a hundred years ago. Okay, because yeah, I I have not read that one with my boys. My nine year old, I'm reading aloud to him right now something I don't know how I never read it to the older boys, but we're reading Where the Red Fern Grows. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. nothing new, but yeah. Actually, I live about um, an hour from exactly where that story happened. Oh, wow, Cal so you can imagine everything. Yeah. Have you and ever I hunted like, for coons? I like Summer of the Monkeys even better because the dogs don't die at the end. So oh, We haven't gotten to the end. Shh. Oh, sorry. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Well, I think I might have mentioned when I talked to you before, but my dad is originally from Ponca City, Oklahoma. So I've got oh. a little Oklahoma in my blood. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we're going to wrap up, but I will ask you my fun end of our conversation questions that I would love to hear from you. Um, can you share with us a parenting essential. Now, I know you've raised more girls than boys, but you're a grandfather too. So what is a parenting, I usually say boy parenting essential that you can't imagine raising kids without anything goes here? Um, a family meeting once a week Ooh. with Whoa. an agenda <gasps> and taking and a, a formal time for everyone in the family to voice their problems, complaints, or concerns. I, you know, once we started doing that, my wife, you know, to this day would say that is the best thing we did. And she would always be like, we need to have a meeting. You have to get homes and schedule it. And, wow. you know, the, the and I had a little form that I created and, and it would last usually, you know, half an hour to 45 minutes. And then we'd have ice cream afterwards. And I would oh, always start oh. with a joke. I would start with a, a scripture verse and then I tell a joke. And then we would go through the agenda and look, you know, especially as the kids get older, their schedules get complex. Yes, they do. And, you know, you don't necessarily keep all of their things in your brain. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, just hashing out the calendar, who's going to go where, who's going to need a ride or take the car, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. a family meeting would be the, the most important thing I would uh, suggest uh, as soon as, you know, the kids are old enough to do that kind of thing. Okay, I love that. And I we I call random meetings with my boys, but I love having everyone sit down together. That's a great, great idea. Okay, then I'm just going to close with this. You've been at this a while, this parenting and grandparenting thing. Is there a piece of wisdom that you would give yourself if you could imagine going back to yourself as a brand new dad, just one baby in your arms, any wisdom you would pass on to the younger parents out there listening? Academics is the least important thing about growing up. Mm. You know, you know, we get into homeschooling. We have a lot of energy about curriculum uh. and, and grade level and test scores and college acceptance and all that stuff. It's just not that important. It wow. will take care of itself if you if you just mm -hmm. do the right things. What uh. what I would wish that I could have done better is that I would not fall into the problem of having anxiety that damaged relationship. Wow. Wow. As, you know, who, who you become as a person and how you are nurtured and loved and your view on life and, and the, the ability you carry into adulthood to love and nurture others, that is way more important than any kind of getting through the algebra book by the end of eighth grade. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I'm going to run with that one. Thank you for sharing that with me and with everyone. And thank you, Andrew, so much just for your time. I know you're a busy man, and we will be putting links in the show notes to anything we've talked about. Is there somewhere people can go if they just want to track you down, follow IEW or yourself right away? Where would you send them? 
It's pretty easy. We we spent the big money about eight years ago and bought the three-letter domain, <laughs> ew.com. And smart. there you see, uh, you know, usually I have a calendar, you know, travel and, and classes and seminars and conventions. It's pretty much blank right now. Uh, but we've got all sorts of uh, audio downloads and files that are free. We have a special promotion going on. It's uh, Lessons 2020. So if you go to IEW.com slash Lessons 2020, you can get uh, three the first three weeks of uh, our new video course for students, either level A, B, or C, or all three if you want. Three weeks of fix-it grammar, uh, mm. vocabulary and literature suggestions, and then also uh, level one of our poetry memorization program. And that's all free. Uh, all the papers and video links and everything uh, is available. And anyone can share it with uh, anyone, you know, even non-homeschooling parents who might look to supplement or, awesome. or uh, add to what the students are doing through the end of the school year here. So good. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Thank you for that. And again, thank you for your time. I'm sure that people will have some follow-up questions, so we might have to convince you to come back on another time. <laughs> I'd be delighted to do it. And I have one last thing to tell you. Yes. Uh, one of your sons, I don't know which one, he asked me years ago what kind of car I drive. <laughs> yeah, they have questions. <laughs> so you can tell him that I leased a Mercedes, the cheapest kind you could get, for three years, and then I didn't like it, so now I have a Mazda CX-5. There we go. <laughs> practical call. We've laughed about that a few times since, so I'll give him the update. <laughs> All right. All right. God bless you. Take care. Thanks so much. Thank you, Monica. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I hope you're just feeling inspired and encouraged and maybe even affirmed in your boy raising journey. And do look for show notes. Anything that Andrew mentioned will be linked to in the show notes at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode number 59. Okay, guys, now I am very excited to share with you something I'll be doing at the end of each episode throughout the summer months. We are teaming up with Surface Sun Care products, and we're going to be giving you a discount code and a giveaway, so keep listening. Now, Surface is one of Luke's surfing sponsors, and we love Surface. We've been using it for years, and I know that many of you are choosy. You're very careful and intentional about what you put on your kid's skin and your own skin, and I think you're going to be really impressed with what Surface has to offer. So I'm going to have a bunch of information over in my show notes. You can read more about Surface, but they are completely reef safe. They're made in the United States. Their products smell amazing, and they feel great on your skin, and they do the job. My husband, who's like, we call him the sunscreen police because he's constantly putting that stuff on us. He's um, very concerned about skin cancer and so he is a big fan of Surface. That says a lot. But if you want to go straight to the website and order some sunscreen for your family, you can go to surfacesunscreen.com and use code BOYMOM to get 20% off. But also at the end of each month of summer, Surface is offering a bundle giveaway for Boy Mom listeners. So over in the show notes, I'll have a question for you. All you have to do is leave a comment answering that question and you will be entered to win and at the end of the month I will announce a winner of a big bundle of sunscreen and lip balms and just really delicious products. They even just came out with an incredible aloe vera infused hand sanitizer which I love. Smells so much better than any of the others I've tried. So guys we're really excited about this partnership. Hope you love Surface like we do. Be sure to leave that comment in show notes and you'll be hearing more about Surface each episode for the summertime. Okay so thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of this amazing community. Keep spreading the word about this podcast and have a wonderful rest of your week. Until next time, aloha.